Hey, y'all, I got a question for you. What's a piece of gear that you maybe have unintentionally overlooked in your rig throughout the years? Well, for me, it's always been guitar cables. I figured ah, it just goes from the guitar to the amplifier or the guitar to the pedal board to the amp. And if one breaks, whatever, I'll just go buy another one. No big deal. Thanks to the fine folks at Runway Audio, though, I have finally seen the light. Runway Audio is based in Nashville, Tennessee, which is awesome for me because that's right down the road. But it's awesome for you as well because Runway has the best cable on the market. And what makes it the best, you ask? Well, it has the lowest capacitance of any cable on the market right now at 20 picofarads per foot. And pretty much all that capacitance is is the ability to store an electrical charge. The lower the capacitance is, the less tone that it sucks from your cable from your guitar on the way to your amplifier. So if you're in the market for anything cable-related, whether it's instrument cables, patch cables, XLR cables, speaker cables, power cables, you name it, Runway Audio has got you covered. And if you go down to my link tree, click the link for Runway Audio. Any purchasing you will do, I will get a little bit of a kickback from that, which is always appreciated. So check out all the awesome stuff that Runway Audio is doing and pick something up to get the best tone possible. Oh, what is up, good people? I told you I wasn't going anywhere. It was just going to take me a little while to get, you know, some stuff sorted out. But we are back this week with a new episode, so I appreciate you being patient with me. I know it's been a little while. But before we get into this with this awesome guest, I just want to remind you, if you want to check me out on any social media platform, you can check me out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Pretty much, if you search Man the Helm, you're probably going to find me there. But if you don't want to do all that, completely fine. Just go down in the show notes here, check out my link tree. All of those links will be down below. You'll also find a link for my Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can help support this show. But as usual, the easiest and free way to support this show is just to share this episode with a friend. If you like it, I guarantee you some of your other friends will like it too. But regardless, I appreciate every single one of you just coming back listen to these episodes. It means the absolute world to me. So enough of this. Let's get into today's episode with Jeremy Shepard, aka The Guitar Hunter. Welcome back to Man the Helm Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Jeremy Shepard, a.k.a. Jeremy the Guitar Hunter. What's up, dude? Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, a beautiful day, and I'm just north of you, actually, right now in uh, Clarksville. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm so, in Nashville for a stretch. And, it, dude, it's like it's supposed to be 80 degrees today. Oh, I know. This whole week has been, like, beautiful. You know? So good. It's great. Um, but um. I always try to have like complete honesty with my audience. You know, I got out of the gear world for quite a while, almost a decade. Yeah. And then I kind of started getting back into it maybe about a year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good thing about that is I'm finding all these people that I didn't know existed and getting to learn so much information yeah. from these people that I had no idea what they did. So um, I know very limited things about you so maybe we could start like kind of how you got into where you are today is like being i I hate to use the word content creator but you know you know maybe just let's let's start from you know where you started and we can work our way up to where we are today absolutely uh yes i'm jeremy shepherd um i go by the moniker jeremy the guitar hunter but I grew up in the hills in Virginia in a punk rock and indie music scene. I was in punk band, punk bands, metal bands, hardcore, some spaz metal. And then somewhere along the way, fell deeply in love with Martin acoustic guitars. Mm -hmm. And then I got uh, right out of high school. My first job, I worked full time in a vintage guitar shop for eight years. And so I just fell in love with guitars and what they do to people and how people like, right behind their family the next thing most of the musicians that i knew were worried about was their legacy the guitars they wanted to hand down the ones they wanted to make sure people knew how to take care of so yeah man after college i moved down to new orleans and just fell in love with the culture and the music of south louisiana the gulf coast and then just really started finding cool guitars and then somewhere along the way i was like man like i was real. i really loved youtube from early on 
And I was like, man, like if you search how to buy a vintage guitar, nothing really came up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I'm certainly not an expert, but I know enough that I could be helpful to other people. And so I jumped in and started, I brought a camera with me when I bought a late sixties, Martin OM 28, a Brazilian, nice. really cool guitar in Gulf Springs, Mississippi. And then after that, man, it just took off. And, um, yeah, so I, I left a full-time gig right at the beginning of COVID. I went full-time doing YouTube videos, teaching people how to buy, sell and collect guitars. Nice. What were you doing before that? If you don't mind me asking. So yeah, I was, um, I was in, I was a regional sales manager for a high tech it's a company that sold all the high-tech gadgets that measure the dangers of work in heavy industry. So I sold oh, okay. noise monitoring, dust monitoring, respiratory protection. So I was doing that and I just covered a big territory. And so while I was doing that, I was like, well, you know, I don't want to hang out at the hotel or float around in a hotel pool. So I'll go see what guitar shops are around. And then I started just finding cool stuff. And that's how I actually got to know John Schultz, like long okay. before um, he's, he does true vintage guitar. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, so yeah, I was doing that. And then I, I ran a marketing agency for a while. I was a marketing director most recently before I left. Um, okay. Yeah. So sales, marketing, and then guitars. Nice. Well, what was the, th there always seems like a pivotal moment that people like yourself choose to make that quote unquote leap to yeah. you know get out of the typical nine to five and, and kind of just work for yourself. Do, do you have like any moment that was kind of <laughs> like that? I'm sure yeah. there are multiple, but was there one that yeah. kind of like broke the camel's back, so to speak? Dude, it was, um, it was a hard moment. So I don't know. I've only ever had one job that I would properly say I hate it, or I just did not fit. And that right. was my most recent job. I was a, I was a marketing director for a commercial truck dealer group. So this old Kenworth Volvo and a Zuzu trucks, mm -hmm. which I thought was freaking cool. I got to be around all these big trucks a lot. I got to learn a lot about that industry, but it was just very clear that I didn't fit the, like just, um, my brute force optimism, uh, just seemed to get me in trouble all the time. Right. Um, so I eventually was asked to resign because I wrote two letters to managers of different dealerships saying that they did a good job and I understood why people believed in them. And so I ended up, you know, I got called into my boss's office in February of 2020. And he said like, mm. I mean, who do you think you are to tell them they did a good job? Like now they have something from corporate saying that we approve of them right before their, you know, yeah. right before their annual reviews. I'm like, so yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those, like, I think I might have to extend my lunch break to, I don't work here anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I called my wife, um, after that meeting, I was like, Hey, I'm pretty sure I'm getting fired today. And, uh, and she, I mean, dude, it's amazing. My wife believes in me like a hundred percent. And she was like, okay, she's like, we'll do it. And so at that point it's like, all right, I'll, the analogy we used right away was, I mean, that job already, I was already looking for something else, but that mm -hmm. job we were on the way out and we, we felt like every month we're losing a little bit, like our boat's taking on a little more water. Right. And so, yeah. And so the, the analogy that we used was like, well, I can see land and I'm a pretty good swimmer. Like, I, I think I could, I could jump out and I could make YouTube make enough money. Like I could do this. Cause we also have, you know, we have three kids mm -hmm. and so, and my wife stays home and homeschools our kids. So it's, we're a single income family. So that's where I was like, okay, I know how to hustle and I know how to get stuff. And so the plan was to go to every guitar shop I could in 2020, go to every guitar show and none of that happened. Right. Right. Well, so, yeah. it, it's important to have that support system though. I think that's something that not a lot of people talk about when you're, when you're trying to work for yourself, regardless of what you're doing, Absolutely. Um, you know, because that could have been a, like, you could have had a complete 180 of like a different situation happen if, you know, she mm -hmm. was just like, well, you should probably just go get a real job. Yeah. Well, a real job, quote unquote, whatever that means. Yeah. But, yeah, but. Well, I do think there's, and there's one caveat to that. Like we're big Dave Ramsey fans. And so we okay. have no debt other than our house. Yeah. And, and we had a, we had an emergency fund. So we're like, mm -hmm. okay, like we got six months, like in six months, could you replace the income that we're using? And so we never really had to touch that. Um, but we were able to just kick up, you know, the intensity of what I was doing with freelance work. And I also, and I was also taking on some freelance marketing consulting on yeah. the side. Like I still do a little bit of stuff outside of YouTube. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's never just one thing. It's always a combination of things, regardless of what you're doing. Um, <clears throat> whether that's, you know, like you said, quitting your job, but you, you had resources to help you for at least half a year. Absolutely. To, to kind of make it through that time, just in case, like you said, you had a solid plan going into YouTube. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, well, I can't do this right now. Yeah. You know, so immediately having to pivot and, you know, working on what you're going to do. Yeah. I immediately had to pivot into doing reviews. Like I never yeah, planned I, on, because if I'm honest, I think, re, I think guitar reviews are super boring. Yeah. Um, so I've just been, and I think they, they really force people to take their eye off the ball. Mm -hmm. Like if you want a meaningful guitar collection, drooling over which Les Paul you need to buy is not going to get you there. Like, right. Just watching those same YouTube videos over and over and over. Well, and it's, it's, it's very oversaturated with the reviewing, you know, yeah. side of the music part of YouTube. You know, you, you could type in a product and, and probably find thousands of people that are doing the exact, not the exact same review, but the exact same product, you know? Yeah. And that's where, yeah. And I've tried to play with different formats, different, you know, I've tried to make it a little more cinematic and more yeah. appealing. Um, but yeah, overall, it's a whole segment of the market that, I mean, that's the biggest, that's the most money. If you're trying to like cover the bills month to month, right? You know, having a brand that says, Hey, we'll pay you, you know, X dollars to just talk about this guitar stand. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's not what I, I don't think I signed up for that, but yeah. Right. Well, so six months hard of, of really pushing YouTube when you got out of your, you know, normal job, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, and within that six months, when did you kind of start to see like some like serious headway? Like, Oh, this is, this is going to work. Cause I'm sure there were doubts that, you know, maybe, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, it was, dude, it was precarious for a long time. Um, the first, so thankfully by the time that it happened, I'd had a couple YouTube videos take off. Okay. Um, so my first YouTube video that really took off was, I guess it was in 2017 or 18, maybe 18. Um, it was a video I made. Um, and thankfully I'm, I'm not known as this anymore, but it was a video called I'm quitting reverb. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the one, like most people, uh, yeah, that's what we, earlier this year we were in the Czech Republic with Ferk guitars mm -hmm. and one of the guys was like, I know you, you're the, I quit reverb guy. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I had that. And then I had another video, uh, of me buying an old Martin in Mississippi, um, nice. another Martin. And so those two, I'd, I'd gotten kind of a taste of like, okay, like there, there are a couple hundred thousand people that care about this stuff. I just have to figure out how to get in front of that audience. Right. Um, so the first video during 2020 that really felt like, oh, wow, this is actually going somewhere, um, was I made a video for with Guild Guitars um, for their new M20. And nice. it was a guitar I was super excited. And so, I mean, the phases of like YouTube content creation, you start out with like, no one wants to work with you and no one, like you're not making any money. Right. And then you slowly get to where like, okay, I've worked hard enough that people, that guitar companies will let me borrow guitars um, mm. for a video. And so with this, I was just one little notch above that, which is they're like, hey, you can buy the guitar at artist price. Nice. And so I bought the guitar for a thousand bucks and I was like, oh, like we don't really have a thousand bucks for me to, uh, but I made a, I made a video about that guitar and within two weeks of that video going out, it had like 50 or 60,000 views. And nice. then Guild reached out to me, like their marketing person and said, hey, just so you know, we sold 1,100 of that guitar around the world. Like all of our dealers sold out. Oh, wow. Um, and I was like, holy cow, that's crazy. And so they were like, hey, we just want to say thank you. You know, that means so much to us. Uh, what's your mailing address? I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to mail me a big check. Right. And then they mailed me a t-shirt and two hats. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think that's one of those things, um, at least from what I've noticed the short time that I've kind of been doing this, um, it, it really comes down to the personal relationships and understanding that they're in the business of making money too. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not in the business of giving guitars away or giving a pedal away or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. they're, they're in the business of, making a solid product and getting it in front of an audience and selling that product. And I think that's one of the big misconceptions with like people that do the YouTube thing or, or just really anything in this guitar space that it's like, 
oh, well, yeah, it must be nice just to have companies send you free stuff all the time. And it's like, it's not really free though. Yeah. 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 I, I've, I have a lot of thoughts about that because I've thought about this. I think you and I both grew up in the South. Mm-hmm. And so when you do get a thing and you didn't pay for it, there's a couple things that happen just like culturally. Um, the big thing for me is, well, it feels like a gift. Right. And the rudest thing you can do about a gift is look too closely at it and say anything bad about it. Like mm-hmm. to be ungrateful. So I think you have to really switch gears. It's not a gift. This is a marketing endeavor for them. Right. They're going to write off like in their books, they're going to write that off as, you know, a marketing expense. Mm -hmm. And so with that, you also then have to be able to be critical about, you know, some product. And yeah, I, I think the other part is YouTubers often, there's this like deeply creative part of what you have to do. Like you're talking to a camera, you're working on your language, you're trying to present yourself in, in such a way. And it feels really personal and creative. Um, but there is this component in which like, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Right. Like you can be super creative, but you also like, you probably might have to get a day job too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so with me, I like, I have to find a balance now of like, um, like I've dialed back my like goofy videos. Right. Um, Cause they're like, I don't know, like they're fun. Like I made a, I made one in 2020. This is like the, the epitome of like COVID brain, just like, um, I guess that phrase means something other than what I mean, but just right, like right. I've been locked in my basement talking to a camera for an hour right? Um, or for days. And uh, I made this thing about like uh, the best piece of gear, 2020 or some, something. And it was like Crocs. Like oh, the yeah. whole thing was just like, and like um, I spent so much time and it was such a dumb video. And then it got like 400 views. And yeah. I was like, okay. Well that was, you know, I donated that time to the, to the cause. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's one of those things where like, at least, at least for me, I've been, I've been posting more of the more comical, so to speak things mm-hmm. on, on different platforms, not so much YouTube, like, like gravitated more towards like the TikTok platform because mm-hmm. it's, it's, that's more acceptable there. It's, it's yeah, more it's of like, fun. exactly. It's it, like you, you try to throw up a product review or a demo on YouTube. It's not, or on TikTok. I'm sorry. It's going to just tank no yeah. one's gonna sit and watch it they want to see the 15 to three minute clip of of something funny there and they want it to be very informal they want you in your you know your sweatpants sitting on your couch yeah you know, it's not like a polished thing that you need to have for like a youtube audience you know yeah so i i've kind of tried to like create content per platform mm-hmm. you know, if that makes sense but but then which also- is yeah which is really hard especially like Sorry, but like as YouTube is pushing shorts, Instagram is pushing reels. Right. But yeah, to say, because, you know, like I make longer form content, like if I'm just left to my own devices, like I'm going to, a 13 to 17 minute video that will tell a really compelling story. And I'm going to have, you know, these like the storytelling blocks and components. But then like Mm -hmm. on Instagram, it's like, well, one, the crop is wrong. Two, the length is wrong. Two, the reach in the audience, the call to action, like, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's the hard part about it though, because it's like now you're having to create, instead of creating one really solid piece of content, you're having to create snippets of that piece of content that also work, which most of the time you're going to have to redo some shots or redo some, some phrases that you're saying, you know, so. Or, well, that's the thing too, is I think guitar content is particularly challenged by the vertical format. Yeah. Cause guitars just don't, they don't like, first of all, four by five doesn't really work. Like you're going to get so much space Mm-hmm. just to post a picture of a guitar doesn't work very well and then to do a video it's like well then you got to play guitar vertically right and then yeah so that's an interesting twist to all of it yeah well i think it's it, it, i don't know because because everything is always you know evolving and you know like instagram is at least from what i've heard from other people and i've kind of noticed too it's it's not as it's not as easy to i guess get a lot of headway early on like it used to be it, like I, I'm, th- I'm trying to think of like like maybe like 2014 to 16 if you had instagram and you were posting consistently it really didn't matter what you were posting it was going to push it out to a bunch of people you know what i mean yeah. you know yeah. you didn't have to really work i i don't want to say you didn't have to work hard at it but you didn't have to work as hard as you do now yeah for, for, for platforms now, like instagram because it also um like i view one of the roles i view myself as is a photographer 
Mm-hmm. And Instagram does not, they do not care about photos anymore. They're not right. going to push photos. So it used to be like, um, you know, like uh, Jamie Morrissey or like, um, that, that's true vintage guitar. That's what John mm-hmm. Schultz, like he's a freaking amazing photographer. Right. And even he has now figured out like, just make it, you know, you used to be able to like throw up just banger photos of, mm-hmm. you know, an old telly or whatever you got. And it would get a couple thousand likes and then you'd get a couple hundred new followers from that. But now it's like, well, now you have to have video, you have to have reels and the mm-hmm. change now to monetization of reels. Right. That has really changed. Um, in the last, like I just, in my first month of being monetized on reels just came through a couple days ago. Nice. Um, yeah. Which is, which is awesome. And I mean, so far, like per thousand views, it's paying like four times what YouTube is paying. Yeah. So all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well maybe I need to do a whole lot more reels. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that's one of the things though, that it always has to be prevalent in your mind. If this is the road you're going to try to go down is, is, is being able to constantly adapt to whatever yeah. the platform is asking of you, because it could be something where you're doing solid for a month or two and then something changes and you have mm-hmm. to be able to change to that. You can't be old and set in your ways if you're going to be a content creator, so to speak. There's no, yeah. Yeah. And that's the, like, you know, uh, like the Casey Neistat form of videos. Mm-hmm. Like I think most people that started YouTube around the time I did were like, that is so cool. I'm going to do tons of time lapses and I'm going to do tons of vloggy shots as I'm walking through stuff. And now just that format, like if you do that, like you will see, especially in the YouTube analytics, like you'll see, well, people are out within 40 seconds. Right. Like they just drop off cause they don't care. Like, don't make me watch a time-lapse of a, you know, of a river, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just, um, for me, I think there, well, this is a whole other topic. I think I'm not afraid of long-form content. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there's this constant thing you hear all the time of people saying, well, people just have short attention spans and you got to be punchy. You got to be fast. And I think the truth is, I don't think there's content that is too long, but there absolutely is content that is too boring. Yes, so the moment you're boring, people are people are out. Yeah, yeah. I I was actually just listening to you on uh, Philip Carter's podcast, the Forty Watt Podcast, earlier oh, yeah. this morning. And dude, when you guys were talking about that, I was just like, oh yeah, that's a hundred percent correct. You know, there's the, the, like, what I I had kind of fallen into that like mindset. It's like, oh, I got to be fast, like you said. I got to I got to hit hard mm-hmm. and then uh, get you know get out real quick. But then but then right when you said that, I was like. Yeah, because I sit and watch some of my favorite content creators for, you know, uh, call me to, uh, throughout the week, probably hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it, but that's entertaining to me. If, if well, I, that's what, um, and I may have talked about it with Philip, but, um, like the, uh, I watched Essential Craftsman. It was like 180 episodes on how to build mm-hmm. a spec house. Like, I'm not handy. I'm never going to build a spec house. But I sat and watched hours of like, now here's how you set the rise and run of your plumbing underneath, you know, when you're hanging plumbing. And I'm like, but it's just freaking interesting. The guy is like so thoughtful. And he would just like, in the middle of explaining like how to hang AC ducts, he would talk about, he'd give like incredible life lessons. Right. And, um, you know, he's like, here's how you can tell if a contractor's lying to you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh my gosh. Like, so yeah, so you start searching, like I'll enter into the long form content to find the Easter eggs and the little stuff mm-hmm. that is just, yeah, it makes me a better person while I'm watching this. Right. Well, that, I had a buddy of mine that said something to me about that. It's like, well, you can start creating long form content once you have a fan base. And I'm like, I, I mean, yeah, it, once you have a fan base, they'll be there for you. But at the same time, there's no reason why you can't try to work that long form content in right now, you know, there's not going to be anything you're going to be like, you're not going to be good at it at first anyway. So, you know, might as well be good to get the, you know, all the kinks out right in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, that way you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think there's a larger component to that of, I think to start any kind of channel, like you have to have something worth saying. Right. And like, that's the thing. I think when people come in, they just say, I just want to show how this pedal sounds. I'm like, it's got to be something more. 
Like it's yeah. gotta be like, you know, here's how you play in a bar or like, it has to be how to be a small town guitar player. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have some larger thing you believe in that you're going to stand behind. Um, so for me, it always has to be a compelling story that features humanity. Like that's right. my, you know, 30,000 foot goal. And, um, cause the other thing is like, the story has to be there because story is the tool that we use to make sense of the world. And then also, um, there's this whole component in which, and there's lots of research behind this, but story sets our moral compass. Yes. And so the stories you take in help you value the right things, care about the right things, put money and time and energy towards things. So for me, the worst thing that could come from my YouTube channel is people spend a bunch of money and their kids don't get to go to college and their wife resents them and they've got an extra room full of guitars. Mm-hmm. Like I want to wage war against gear acquisition sin- syndrome. I think it's just nonsense. Right. Yeah. Um, that, that's the one thing that I've kind of been always as a guitar player. I, I, whether I'm playing, you know, cover gigs, playing original music or doing anything like that. It's like, I have the gear that I need to get the job done that yeah. I enjoy playing. And I don't, I don't sell gear as much as I used to, but, but when I got to a point where I wasn't using a piece of gear anymore or even yeah. finding something um, a good example, I, my mom and pop shop here, um, in Clarksville, they had a bunch of the old Wampler Tumnuses with the Goatman logo on it. They'd been sitting in storage for like, I don't know, mm-hmm. three, three years. And granted that's not an expensive pedal, but it's more expensive than what the, or the used market. It's more expensive to get one of those and sell it. Now, you know, somebody's going to buy it just for that yeah graphic on there you know what i mean so yeah i picked up both of them and i was just like yeah this is what's gonna happen i'm, I'm gonna hang on to one and i'm gonna try to flip one you know just to make a little bit extra cash yeah you know and it's yeah. fun too to, to, to kind of go out to you know these shops and and talk to people get to know you know what's coming in what's in the area you know stuff like that and then you know slowly start to acquire some stuff but hanging on to gear like that and almost like I feel like it's almost like a discredit to the instrument because it's like these things are meant to be played. And if yeah. you're just going to sit there in a case or on a rack mm-hmm. and, and you're just going to eyeball them all day, it's, it's doing a disservice to the instrument. Absolutely. And like, I mean, humans are, we are made to create. Yeah. And so if you're just like sitting around, like if stuff, if you're not playing and it's just about hoarding, well, you're both not creating and you're stopping other people from creating. Right. So that's where it's like, it becomes a really like, uh, the word toxic, but it just becomes a selfish thing, right. um, or a thing that truncates and like limits the the ability of other people. Well, and it's, it's exciting too. Once you know you, you you sell a piece of gear, and now the next thing you're doing is you're like perusing the internet and being like, okay, yeah. what am I going to get next? Well, that you know was I mean? the that was the my, my YouTube channel has had kind of three phases. Mm-hmm. The first one was I'll teach you how to buy and sell guitars as a side hustle. And people did not like that message mm-hmm. um, or people used that message as an excuse to spend money without their wife knowing, spend money right. out of savings. And then they would, you know, email me and say like, my wife is pissed. How do you make a video about how to, I'm like, I shouldn't make a video on like how to be considerate to your family. Oh like, uh, yeah. Right. That should be baseline. That should come at you from a bunch of other places. Um, but yeah, so then the second phase of my YouTube channel was like, okay, I will teach you how to, and it's kind of similar to five watt world to Keith, his, his take of like the most music from the least gear. I'm not quite on that least gear, but I am like how to get the right guitars that, um, so the phrase I use is how to buy the right gear, sell the wrong gear and end up with a meaningful guitar collection. Yeah. That's kind of my 30,000 foot view. Um, and then my third phase now that I'm in, it's like, okay, I'm just going to do exciting guitar stuff and bring you along. <laughs> right. And that's now what I- I'm, I'm getting to have opportunities now where I'm like, okay, well, you're probably not going to buy a FERC guitar, but here's me flying to the Czech Republic to spend a week with them and see their factory and uh, just do cool stuff. Well, I think that's, you're, you're, at, you're at the point now too, where you, you have, a, a solid fan base and, mm-hmm. and your fans want to see what you're doing, you know, so you can sure. take them along on, on those, you know, like you were talking about earlier, you can have this, the time lapse of you in a plane or whatever it is. And, and people want to be part of that journey with you. Yeah. You know, that, and I think that that's also hard too, because like the demo format, it's 
like you have to be able to show your personality in yeah. there. Um, and yeah, cause the, the thing that I'm like, I just really want to feel connected to people that watch my videos and I want people to be able to feel like they can connect with me. And that is like, you know, like I'm not a big YouTuber at all, but I'm getting to a place now where like, when I go, like if I go in an airport, somebody is going to come up at some point in the airport and be like, I know you, I watched your video. Right. And what's cool is they'll remember, they'll remember stuff. And then I found like the super fans that have watched most of my videos, mm-hmm. they have like, <laughs> I, cause there are still boundaries. Like I share like very, I share a very deep part of who I am, but it's, you know, like eight or 10% of my overall personality. So like exactly. my friends outside of this, like they're going to know about the other stuff, but it's interesting. I'd forgotten when I get like, there are a couple like super fans that will like say like, Oh, when you talked about your heart condition, like I have, and they remember what my heart condition is. And then they're like, Oh, I'm on a say I'm on the same medicine. You probably are. I'm like, that actually happens. Like Mm-mm, I got to yeah. back how much I'm saying. Right. Well, it, it, it's hard though, because you do have to find that balance between you know, interacting with your fans, making them feel like you're listening to them, but also like if it starts to get to like a kind of a weird interpersonal relationship, yeah. being able to be like, Hey, what's, let's pump the brakes here real quick. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause it's, it's, it's also really hard too in the component of um, like my channel, like the, the motto is go fill the world with music and friendship. Mm-hmm. But the flip side is like, well, I can't be friends with 38,000 people that are subscribed to me. Exactly. And so that, and there are people that, um, yeah, there are people that want to be really close. They want to be close friends with me. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that I'm having to navigate because my, my optimism wants to say like, oh, I can have meaningful, I can have meaningful interactions. I think that's, that's the most I can offer. Like I can have meaningful interactions with a lot of people, but like you're not going to be at my funeral. (laughs) No, no. I'm not going to come to your kid's wedding, you know, like that, that kind of, like I have, you know, I'm friended up in personal life, you know? Right. Well, Um, and you never know like the types of people you're going to interact with either. You know, you could have somebody that is super cool and maybe you guys would be super awesome friends, but there's also a possibility that they might be a little bit of a weirdo and, you know, trying to, you know, hang out with you just a little too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's good though, because you do have to have that healthy balance between a fan base and, you know, like you said, there's no way you could possibly have, you know, actual meaningful conversations. Not, not that you couldn't, but it'd be very hard with, like you said, 30,000, yeah. 30, 40,000 plus people. You know what and I mean? And then there's not, also just the other, like the basic question of like, is it appropriate? Exactly. For, like, yeah. Is it appropriate for me to have authentic relationships only with people on the internet around the world? No, like that doesn't no. like, you know, uh, we, are, we have bodies. We are, we live in a physical world. Like you need to be, you know, incarnate in those places. Yeah. Moving, moving forward now. So you're in a really good spot. You've got a lot of, you obviously have a pretty dedicated fan base and you kind of said you're in more of that, like phase three, um, is that something that's kind of, you kind of just started doing that too, right? More, more of that. Basically of this summer I started, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a combination of kind of a lot of the COVID restrictions have gone away. So now right. a lot of more travel can happen and then also just bigger opportunities are coming up. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of what starts to happen, right? Nobody, like you said in the beginning, nobody wants to pay attention to you at first. And now a lot of people want to pay attention to you. It's, mm. I'm sure it's kind of hard to juggle like, um, I don't want to, I don't want to say you like prioritize anything, but like, maybe like, um, when people hit you up, it's, it's, it's you got to find a balance of like, okay, well, I already have this, this, and this to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, that's, that's yeah. It used to be like any opportunity. Yes. Automatically, immediately I will do it. Um, but now, especially like, um, the biggest thing I feel this in is the, just like the sponsorship opportunities that I get and they feel so mm-hmm. cheesy. Some of them are super exciting. Like some of them are like, 
hey, like this is bourgeois guitars. We're launching this new collaboration with Eastman. We think you and for me, I'm like, that's incredible. Like that's a great one. But then there's other stuff where it's like uh I reviewed a guitar. It's basically like a copy of the lava guitars that composite acoustics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With like mm-hmm. an iPad thing on the side of them. So I got like a Chinese imitation of one of those. And it was like it, many lessons were learned, but like right. you get the guitar and you're like, okay, it's kind of cool the way it is. It's basically a, boot, a Bluetooth speaker with like a a guitar attached to it. Um, but then they're like, well, in order to get it out of demo mode, you have to use the app. And I download the app on my, well, I open the email on my phone and it's like, do not click this link. This is directly tied to the Chinese communist party. And it's, it's like, and then the app on my phone. And so with that, I'm like, okay, well, I need to qualify more of these because um, even then, like, what's the upside? The upside is a boring video right. that is probably going to get recut on some Chinese website, to, which has happened before. Like that, that video would get recut in such a way that it sounds like I'm saying it's the best thing I've ever played. I'm so lucky to ever own this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Donner did that with a video I made early, early on. I was just about to bring up the Donner thing because I see I feel like I've seen a lot of people that kind of get to a certain point on YouTube. Donner is always hitting them up. Yeah. Dude, they just keep sending me stuff and I've like I've I've said they're not good. I wouldn't buy them. I don't like them and they just keep sending them to me. I mean, maybe they think they're going to change your mind or something, dude, you know, who knows. I will say they're getting better each time. Um, well, progress is good, but I mean, yeah, they're now like they're now at the same level as like Squire Affinity. Anyway, I don't want. Yeah, I don't no, want to no, give too much no. airtime. Yep. They're just like, but they're one of those brands that are relentless. But then you start getting stuff where it's like clearly outside of my, like my brand. Um, like mm-hmm. some stuff. Like uh, so, over the last three months, I've lost twenty five pounds, and so now they're like fitness brands. Like right, and they're like, hey, do you want to this exercise bike? Like it's a it's a Chinese made competitor to the Peloton. I'm like. Mm. I don't know. I didn't lose weight riding bikes. Right. Right. I don't think I'd ride a bike on this video. Um, but then you're like, well, they're going to pay me $2,500. Mm-hmm. I could ride a bike on camera for that. There you go. Uh, well, but yeah, that that's, that's the weird thing though. It's, it's like, like you, like I kind of said earlier, it's like now, now you have a bunch of people hitting you up. It's like, and, and stuff that's not within like the niche of your channel. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, well, I mean, sure. I, I w- I'm sure you wouldn't mind a little bit extra cash, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know how I'm going to incorporate this. Yeah. You know what I mean? To me, it had like my, like my first goal, like I, I just, I am myself, whether I try to be or not, like I just, mm-hmm. you know, and so, but there are things that feel like, well, that really doesn't feel like me. Um, right. And yeah. So that, like, um, cause there's some of them, like lots of video games, lots of like, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like Raid Shadow Legends. I've turned right. that down a bunch of times, um, which is kind of crazy because it's like, well, I'm not necessarily making enough money month to month. Like we're still in like really in the whitewater part of owning this business. Right. Um, but I also, I feel like I would violate the trust. And and like also philosophically, I don't want to, I don't want to say, hey, in your free time, you should play video games. I'm saying, right. hey, in your free time, you should play guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, that that's one of those weird things because I've, I've tried to tell, and this is what I've always tried to do since I started doing this again. It's, it's consistent and honest content. And when I say honest content, I'm honest with myself and I'm also honest with my audience. You know what I mean? And, and if, and doing those two things, at least from my perspective, it's usually what tends to work better in the long run. Like you said, you could, I don't even play that raid shadow legends. I don't play hardly anything on my phone. Why would mm-hmm. you want something to push to your audience that you don't even really do? Yeah. You know? And like you said, you, you're, you're all about, Hey, pick up your instrument. Let's play. You know what I mean? You don't need to pick up your phone and, and play some game. Not that it's not a good game. I'm sure it's a fine game, but yeah. you know, it, it's just not true to what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, man. It's just a constant, like I didn't, I wasn't prepared for how many of those, like I, and I'm again, like I'm a, I'm not a small YouTuber anymore. I'm somewhere in the middle. Like, right. I'm at like 9 million views total, but like I'm in a place where I, there are enough opportunities that I now have to like, I now have an assistant and it's a thing she does a lot. You know, I'm now paying someone to say no to a lot of these opportunities. 
Right. Well, and that's not a bad problem to have either, because I can't imagine the amount of time and energy that has to go into just simply replying to emails, you know, oh, in your I'm, position. Yeah, awful. I remember building my website and dreaming of the day that I would like have people like, should I buy a D28 or an HD28? Mm -hmm. And now like, I'll just click over to my email now. I have 68 emails overnight and they're all form submissions from my website. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's like, all of a sudden I'm like, well, I can't keep up with this. Like I can't. Um, yeah. So one of the things I've, I've tried to figure out a solution to this. Um, and over the last year I've started offering advice calls. So like okay. we just have like a standard email, like, Hey, like this is a perfect question for a video call with Jeremy. Here's how you book them. And we just book them through the website. They're not that expensive. And, nice. uh, it, and it, and so again, like coming back to like, I can give me a meaningful interaction with people. Exactly. Like I can just like you and I are sitting here talking like over a video call, like as personal as this can feel, we'll get that for 15, 30 or 60 minutes. Right. And, and, and it does, it, it kind of like reinforces the, the, that fan of like, oh man, this, this guy actually really cares about me. He's taking the time, you know, and, and, and what you're doing is doing it to, con you know, a little more convenient of not having to get, you know, thousands of emails. You have to reply back to the same question with, yeah, but you know, you're, you're, you're doing something good for your audience too, by doing something like that. That's it's, it's felt like a really good, um, like it's a really good use of, of everybody's time. And it also yeah. helps like, I mean, cause there is this component where I need, you know, like, it is not wrong for me to need to make money where I'm like, I got a mortgage and I got kids and you know, like if I'm not doing this, I'd have to do some other job and this seems better. Um, but yeah, it seemed, it's a really good fit. I was, uh, I helped Zach from mythos pedals mm -hmm. help them move their shop the other day. And, um, we were talking about it at the end. I was like, Oh, I gotta go. I got a call in 15 minutes. And I like had to leave a bit early from moving them. But he was just saying like, that's such a good idea. Like, why aren't more people doing that? I told him, I was like, Hey, that's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he should do it. Cause it's, you know, the questions he's going to get are so different than what I'll get. Well, and, I, and I know very little about capacitors. Exactly. You know? I, I was going to say, speaking from like a pedal manufacturer point of view, that that would be extremely beneficial if they had the time to do that, because you can get an email back. But this, the, the phraseology that some of those those yeah. manufacturers use to, to someone, especially I'll be honest, I wouldn't know half the things yeah. that they were saying to me. I'd be yeah. like, OK, well, I guess this capacitor into this, you know, dual inverting op amp or whatever you just told me that that's the problem. I, okay. That means nothing to me though. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So yeah. can you come I'd, by my house? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Just come on over. Yeah. I'll just, or let me come over to you. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. even better. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing when, when you get to that point, because like, like, like you said in the beginning, you were hoping and praying like, oh man, I can't wait till I get, you know, more people to yeah. message me and blah. And now it's just like, oh, well, I'm going to bed. So I'm turning my notifications off. So I do not get woken up by the plethora yeah. of people that are trying to hit me up that you're not that I'm sure you're extremely grateful for them hitting you up. But at yeah. the same time, you, you got to have that personal life too. Like you said, wife and kids, man. Yeah, dude, dude, that's the hardest thing. Cause it's like, there is never ending stream of like between YouTube comments, Instagram messages, mm -hmm. people sending me stuff on Facebook. I mean, it is just never ending people. And it's, I'm yeah, like you said, like I'm incredibly thankful for it. But I also I have I've had to institute some really like firm boundaries. So like five o'clock my phone and I've made these rules. So my phone automatically turns to do not disturb. Right. And it immediately just like silences stuff. Um and I still find myself like, you know, um I've also I found there's a direct correlation between me having a bad night's sleep and me reading YouTube comments right before I go to bed. I couldn't imagine why. Yeah. Which thankfully, dude, I have, a, I have really, I rarely have uh, like mean comments. Yeah. Um, what, what gets me more is when there are mean comments, there are a couple, this is funny. They won't listen to this. Maybe they will. There's like two women, like one is an old lady that I know from church mm -hmm. and another one is like one of my wife's aunts. Okay. And they both like, if someone says something mean about me in a YouTube comment, they will jump in and they'll defend me. Oh, nice. 
which is great, but they will also give personal information out. Right. <laughs> They're like, you should see, he's such a good man and his his wife and their kids and they go to this school. I'm like, gah, 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 stop, yep, stop, yep, stop. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, Eugenie. Um, you can just, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, my best mean comment ever was, uh, if you want to see an even fatter James Corden, who's also bad at guitar, this channel's perfect. Oh man, <laughs> dude, that one gets me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to give them credit though, especially like YouTube seems like where it's where it's most prevalent with the mean comments, so to speak. Because it, I don't know, mother man, I just I have never felt the need. I just want to know uh -huh. what's going on in that person's life because like normal people don't do that like there has to be something yeah. that, that is just eaten away at you and this is just like the most informal impersonal way i can just be like oh yeah but here you go stupid video you suck you know what i mean yeah i, yeah. I, I don't know but the, i think the thing with you and this might be a reason why you don't get a lot of mean comments is is because you're not just doing like straight up demos like you said you you, you have a, a higher meaning to the video than just be like oh hey this is this guitar that i just yeah. got you know what i mean yeah yeah that's um yeah because i'll get i'll get funny ones and like i just try to diffuse it with humor yeah. so if somebody says like you know this dude's a motor mouth he talks too much i wish he you know i'll just comment like dad is that you right right <laughs> just well, or like you know or like i'm glad somebody finally said it right well i think that's the best way to to you know, interact with that type of comment. You know what I mean? It's it's just like, oh, well, okay. Nothing I'm going to say is probably going to change this person's mind, nor do they probably want to. Why am I even going to waste my time? I'm just yeah. like, I'm going to write something quirky real quick and then just leave it be. But know? no, I have met, I have not met a single, well, I haven't met any of these people making these comments, but when you do comment back, none of them stand their ground. Every oh, single absolutely one. Absolutely not. Like, oh my gosh, I love your channel. Thanks for commenting. A uh, big fan. Like, yeah, clearly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's well, kind of one of those, like they keep, they bark and bark and bark and then you turn and then they immediately show you their belly. Like, mm -hmm. did well, freaking knock it off. That's the good thing though, with, with everything being back to normal, well, as close to normal as we yeah. can get back to, because now that you can go out and, and interact with your fans and actually see them in person, it is so much better to have that personal relationship, yeah. even if it is for just for a short moment, than it just is online. You know what I mean? Dude, I, I like, I'm now at a place where like it will, the other night we're at a Walmart, my wife and I, like our kids had gone to bed. Somebody's watching our kids. We had to run to Walmart because we're in Nashville for an extended season. Cause nice. uh, we got some family stuff going on. So we're okay. here in town. And um, so we're, we're staying in a guest house, but it's, they, they weren't even totally done building it when we moved in. So it's oh, like, wow. we, there's no pots and pans. There's no silverware. So we're like running to Walmart to get that stuff. And there's this dude, like we're in the checkout line. We're both exhausted. And um, there's a dude that like sees me from way across the Walmart and runs across. And he's this young Brazilian guy. And he's like, oh my gosh, you're Jeremy, the guitar hunter. And then he pulls out his phone. He's like, I messaged you in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, that's, that's crazy. That's five years ago. Right. And, um, but for him, like he asked me a question, the answer I gave him changed his life. And he's moved to the U S to learn how to build a, to become a luthier. And he's working at Gibson now. And yeah. for him, it's like, this is the best, you know? So it was crazy. And like his wife, like his wife and my wife had a funny moment of like, see this? Right, right. But yeah, it's fun that those things are happening. And you, like, because that's the thing is like, I want, I, I've wanted to steer guitar culture into a more friendly and like hospitable place. Absolutely. And I think part of that is like one, like brute force optimism and kindness. And then also like, you have to be able to be intense when you need to be intense. So like mm. when people are being dicks, like you have to stand up to them. And so that's, I mean, there's, there's a pretty, that comes somewhat naturally to me to stand up to bullies. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, keep trying to carve out a better, a better place in the guitar culture. Well, and, and there's, there's kind of been like a, I, I, with, with the, with this podcast, there's kind of an overarching theme. It's like 
be good to other people and mm -hmm. things are going to be just fine. If you're an yeah. asshole to people, guess what you're going to get back. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You're, you're not going to be, and especially in this world, it might seem huge from the outside looking in, but everybody knows everybody yeah. in, in, in the gear, you know, guitar playing world mm -hmm. online. You know what I mean? And everybody, if you're kind of a jerk, they're going to be like, eh, he's, he's okay, but you probably shouldn't work with that guy. You know what I yeah. mean? And next thing you know, all your opportunities are going to go away. But the thing that, that really inspires me is that that little comment you made to that guy that you met in Walmart, just something that you probably thought wasn't even that big of a deal. You just answered a question completely changed that guy's life. Seriously. You know? and, and that's, that's, that's the thing that like, for me, it's like when you hear people say that, it's like, dude, you changed my life. And they're not just saying like, oh, you helped me, whatever. Like you legitimately changed my life. Yeah. That like, dude moved from Argentina to the U.S. Yeah. Like moved different continents. It's insane that, that you inspired him to do that. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, I was maybe a part of it, like a tiny part of it. But dude, it's still, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm starting to see the fruit of those. Like, because my experience of content creation is, sitting in my basement or my garage by myself talking to a camera like it's a person right like, yeah um but then you, you get out there and you realize like oh wow like it's not just numbers it's real people mm -hmm. um yeah that's what like i looked up recently i think it's like nine or ten million views on my channel now oh wow like, yeah holy cow like because when you look at it month over month you're like oh you know like um yeah, it's just hard to it's hard to keep track of like these are real people around the world who have hard lives and they're trying to figure out how to do a fun thing that brings mm -hmm. relief and yeah, makes their but life better. I, I I've been kind of thinking about this and I, I haven't looked at any analytics, but I haven't really been doing it for very long and I don't want to. I just I'm just letting stuff ride, yeah. you know. I usually can find out if it, how well a video is doing without looking at the analytics just by seeing yeah, yeah. the views. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. okay, well, something in this didn't work, but something in this one did work. So what do mm -hmm. I need to do to, you know, yeah. kind of close the gap a little bit on, on these things? And that's the one thing that I, I think a lot of people that are starting off on social media, maybe you can speak to this a little bit. They're so worried about the validation of the numbers, mm -hmm. you know, and, and really for me, it's like the numbers don't really, I, I don't want to say they don't mean a whole lot, but they don't mean a whole lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, I, I, so I have two guiding principles for like content that I make, like every video has to be better than the last one. Yep. Just in some way, like better audio, better video, you edited it better and tighter or however. Mm -hmm. But then the second thing is done is better than perfect. Like, right. Like just get shit done. And mm -hmm. then later on, you're like, well, that didn't work, you know, and yeah, be gracious with yourself in the past. I think that's the most people are super critical of whatever previous version of themselves made that video or whatever. For sure. And for me, I'm like, I remember I was trying as hard as I can. And there, you know, because there are always a million factors outside of filming. That's what I always get is like, I make these videos. And I'm like, like yesterday, I had to film two videos in an hour and a half. I'm like, this is the only time I have this week. And there will be my two videos for next week. But it's like they're as good as they can be for the crunch that I had. And, um, but yeah. And then once you start, I think it's the other component that I keep coming back to is that it's, it's not just like, it's not just the YouTube video. It's an Instagram post with it. If you can do an Instagram live, like to learn how to like, and this is also to get better results in general. It's just like be in the story. Like the YouTube video is the full story. And then I'm going to pull out three or four different parts of that and highlight that if that's a new guitar that I'm talking about, if it's, um, you know, some trip I took, right. just spread it out. But yeah, you'll start seeing like, I mean, first of all, you're going to find that your favorite content is not the stuff that performs best by the numbers. Yep. And you're going to find that other people's favorite stuff is not like the big flashy. Like I have a video, I have my first video ever coming up on a million views and it's nice. a video I've made that I don't like. Mm -hmm. um, of course. It, yeah, it's a it's a video. My friend Daniel bought a 1914 Gibson L3 from me. Nice. And it was like, I had this guitar for months, eh, whatever. Like, it's an old, terribly refinished Gibson L3. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, okay, I guess I'll make a video. And then I made the video, like, literally 
pretty begrudgingly. And, um, and it, every single step of the way, it has just outperformed anything I've ever done. <laughs> and Daniel and I both are like, that video, 800,000 yeah. views now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you'll just, I think, know what you need to like, know what you want to say in your videos and then just keep making videos. Like yeah. don't hold out for great ideas, just make stuff. Mm -hmm. And then like, you'll be a hundred videos in. you're like, okay, I know how to make videos. And I know how to tell a story. And then opportunities when they come up, you can just jump in and go. Well, I think that's, that's what a lot of people are looking for that, like, you know, like you said, you wanted to work when you start first started off, you know, wanting to work with companies and, and wanting to do stuff like that. Those companies are, are looking for a few things, but one of the biggest things they're looking for is that you're consistently there. Yeah. You know, you, you're not having like months at a time without posting a video. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the consistency is one of the biggest things. Um, like, but I also understand too, like for instance, I had, I had some live stuff happen. I haven't post, uh, put a podcast out and I think this will be four weeks, but yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's, it's not something to dwell over either if you can't stay consistent. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what, um, I've, I don't know. I, I have a much, I'm much harder on myself than I think I am, but when mm -hmm. I'm like, I haven't gone more than five or six days without putting a video in probably five years. Right. Like I've probably put out, and if anything, I have to slow down mm -hmm. um, because for a while, like, that, yeah, that's the other growth of YouTube stuff. Like once you don't have a day job, all of a sudden you're like, well, in 40 hours a week, I can crank some stuff out. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have other opportunities coming up, like I'm not going to a show, I'm not doing anything. Oh, well, I can make a video. So then you get to where you're like, well, I have like four mediocre videos I can put out this week. Um, and so for me now, like I still regularly find myself like, well, I've got five videos launched and patrons have seen them, but they're not like, and then I'm loading stuff. And then you live in this, like, I don't remember what is current. What have people seen and not seen? Right. Um, and then you comment on something like what? And I give away a surprise and then a video that comes out two weeks from now. So, yeah. yeah, but it's interesting. Like I need, I've been trying to slow down and I, I don't, I can't seem to do less than two or three videos a week. Um, but it's just the clip of stuff coming in. Yeah, I think it really comes down to like the individual workflow, though, because if that's what works for you, then that's what works for you. It might not work well for everybody, but yeah. that's that's your workflow. Yeah, you know, you're, that's what keeps you comfortable. That's what keeps everything consistent. That would that's also like you said, you, you're not jumping ahead or or getting something that's not relevant anymore when making yeah. a video. You know what I mean? Well, that's I've stopped like um, I think unboxing videos are really fun. Yeah, they're they're the easiest to film and edit. Yeah. But I, to me, I like, I'm, yeah, I'm so bored of, I'm so bored with that format of video. Right. Uh, but I know I'm not my audience. That's probably the bigger lesson is like, I'm not my audience. Mm -hmm. Like, so that's where you have to get people that really love your stuff and then like build meaningful relationships with them so that you can hear and they can tell you honestly. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what I'm really thankful for my patrons. Like I've got, mm -hmm. I've got eight, like, uh, I call them ride or die patrons nice. and they're like genuinely plugged in with what's going on. And they're really like, um, and part of that's great. Part of it's hard. Cause they also like email me all the time. And I've asked them like, Hey, like I can't, I can't read a 3000 word email, right. um, you know, about Vince Gill. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't have time. Um, but yeah, getting to where you have people that really like what you're doing and can kind of like, they understand who you are, what you've done and where you're headed. And they can give you like, Hey, you don't have to make these videos. Mm -hmm. So that's where I've like, I've stopped doing like restringing videos. Right. Um, right. Cause it's just like, well, you know, when I'm bored and sitting around and it's COVID, but like other people aren't sitting around bored anymore either. They're out doing stuff again. Yeah. Well, and it's just one of those times you got to pivot again. You know, everything kind of kind of came back to the way it used to be. Um, little changes, but, you know, it. you just have to kind of go from, well, this isn't working anymore. What do I need to do? Well, and the easy thing with you is you have the opportunities to go travel. Mm -hmm. You have the people that are willing to, you know, bring you out to do something cool. Well, too easy. Video content right there. You know what I yeah. mean? 
Yeah. I, so my editor graduated from college. So for the last couple of months, I've been back editing my own videos. No, gotcha. Oh man. Yeah. So that like, yeah. Yeah. Cause that's where it used to be. And that's also why I can make three or four videos a week. Cause it's like, well, if I'm not spending 30 hours a week editing, right. Right. I can do a whole lot more stuff. Right. So I need to get an editor. I just got an assistant who's just killer. Um, yeah. So she's like, I've incentivized her like, go find opportunities, go bring stuff in, like have at it. And I'll give you a piece as stuff comes in. Like, so I treat her much more like a salesperson nice. and she's been awesome. Um, but yeah, I need an editor to, to free up some space and time. I like my dream thing. If I only do one thing, I would just chase down old guitars. Like that's the right. thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. Those are still the videos that historically do the best. And they're the coolest. Like, I'm buying a 1958, you know, J50 from a guy who bought it new in Washington, D.C. And he's going to tell me about when he ran into Bob Dylan and he played it. Like, right. that's the stuff that is just so cool. And because that's the stuff I would be doing if even if I wasn't doing YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to find old guitars that have cool stories. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and, and, and you are doing a, a pretty good service by putting that into video content because the story behind gear is usually much more entertaining than just the gear itself yeah yeah at least from my experience you know and and i feel like other people feel the same way because they might not be able to relate to it like a hundred percent but there's something relatable in there that they're just going to be like oh man that's so cool i've had something like that sort of happen you know what i mean so yeah that that's really what it i think you're i think you're in a good spot now especially with with moving forward so with moving forward though and i don't want you to say anything you can't say but um Maybe what's on the horizon for the, you know, obviously we only got two months left in the year, but you know, yeah. maybe into 2023 a little bit too. You got anything so cool we're coming up? To, we're starting to book a couple things. Um, so I've never been to Nam. That's okay. like, that's like one thing that I want to do, which I've always like, that's the other big pivot is like, I was in the used guitar world. Like I've only ever bought maybe two new guitars mm-hmm. um, until the last couple of years. I've been getting lots of new guitars from manufacturers. So that's where it is interesting. I always feel a little ill-equipped for people like, well, I'm trying to buy this guitar new. I'm like, I would wait a year and buy one used. Like, right. Let right. somebody lose 30% and then you get it and you don't really ever lose any money. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, so that's so going to Nam. That's whatever. Um, but the more exciting things, I'm working with Boucher Guitars in Canada. So it sounds like early in the year next year, okay. I'll go up. So they're incredible hand built acoustic guitars, very Martin style, but really great materials and construction. Awesome. Um, and it's interesting. So Robin Boucher, who owns that company, his dad um, started. There was this like fellowship of guitar builders that started like all the Canadian brands that we love. Like mm-hmm. Jean Larave was there. Um, Godin was there. Seagull started there. So it's like all of these, like the history of Canadian guitar building is really tied to Ottawa. Nice. And, like, yeah. Toronto. So, so that'll be fun. And then um, it sounds like I'm going back to the Czech Republic next year with Fur. Oh, cool. Guitars, which dude, that was like one of the most amazing trips. I bet. It also was like, it was like me, Kafir, uh, I forget Kafir's last name. It's O, but he's from Israel. He has like a mm-hmm. giant YouTube channel, like three and a half million subs. And then there's Guitarra Viva, which is Carlos from Spain. He has mm-hmm. a huge channel. Then Marcelo was from Italy. And so these guys are like, I immediately was like, why am I here? <laughs> right. Little imposter syndrome going on. Just, I, you know, um, but, but yeah. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to keep working on, on that stuff and we're doing lots of travel and um, yeah, I've got, have some sneaky stuff that we're working on. I'm just starting to, I'm starting to get my head out of like working in the business and now I'm getting to where I can work on the business and like, right. okay, if I actually treat this like it is, um, and I don't mean business in a negative way, but I mean like that is like humans are made to create and to bring out the potential that the earth is definitely was, was made with. Mm-hmm. And so for us, like we're trying to figure out ways to, to, to bring that to fruition. So anyway, I've got one real exciting, but still secret thing that I'll tell you about later, which is it kind of is like, how do we collectively capture the stories of guitars and like help convey those through different owners and like, no one's ever found a good solution for that. I think I've got a good idea. And so I'm working to, to kind of make that a reality. Cool. 
Well, before we wrap this up, let's just uh, get all the plugs out of the way. Where can everybody find you at, too? Yeah, so YouTube, you just search Jeremy Shepard. I've never figured out how to change it to Jeremy the Guitar Hunter, so it's still just my personal. So it's just Jeremy Shepard, um, and that's S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D. You can also look for Jeremy the Guitar Hunter. I'm Jeremy the Guitar Hunter on Instagram. Um, I... And you can go to jeremytheguitarhunter.com. I do have a course. This is a good plug. So if you're if you're someone that like you walk into a guitar shop and you feel too super overwhelmed, you don't know where to start. Um, if you own a guitar and you don't know how to sell it, you're freaked out about how to get the most money out of Craigslist, you're just gonna take it to a guitar shop and lose 50%. And you feel like you'll never have a collection of guitars that you actually like. Um I, I made a course that covers all this. It's called Write Guitars Faster. And the big thing with this is like, don't die with a closet full of Yamahas. Like right. I can teach you how right. to build a freaking cool collection and you can do it and it will. it's awesome. It's a meaningful way to live. Sweet. Well, hey, all those will be linked down below too. So Thanks, you guys man. need to check out all the awesome stuff that Jeremy's up to. But hey, dude, I had a great time talking to you, man. Dude, this is so fun. Yeah, I'm sorry we didn't get too much into gear, but this is more of a gear-ish based podcast yeah we can do it again and talk gear oh yeah definitely definitely just rescheduling recurring guests but hey man take it easy um and for all of you guys we will check you guys next time on man the helm podcast